All right, so I'm not going into the book of John today. I'm going to take a, just one Sunday to do something different. Jacob was alone. And he knew he would probably be killed the next day. 400 men were coming to intercept him. And at their head was a man who had tried, had wanted to kill Jacob the last chance he had 20 years earlier. And this guy had a right to be mad at Jacob. I'm talking about Jacob's brother, Esau, whom Jacob had taken advantage of and outright deceived Jacob now was desperate, panicking, but still scheming, planning. He split up his large family and all possessions into two camps, figuring that if Esau and the 400 men attacked, maybe one of the camps would survive. He also sent a bunch of gifts ahead to greet Esau and maybe pacify him. Jacob was shrewd. But even with these shrewd measures, he was desperate. Knowing that he would probably be killed. This is the background for Jacob wrestling with the angel, the most famous wrestling match of all time. Let's turn to it in Genesis chapter 32. I'm going to read most of the chapter. We will start at verse 1. Genesis 32, starting on page 27 in the Black Bibles here. And you can see the heading, Jacob fears Esau. Let me read to you from the word of God. Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. So he called the name of that place Mahanaim. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom, instructing them. Thus you shall say to my Lord Esau, thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male servants and female servants. I have sent to tell my Lord in order that I may find favor in his sight. And the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau and he is coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people who were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two camps, thinking if Esau comes to the one camp and attacks it, then the camp that is left will escape. Now listen to Jacob's prayer. 
And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff, I crossed this Jordan. And now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mother's. With the children. But you said I will surely do you good. And make your offspring. As the sand of the sea. Which cannot be numbered for multitude. Now the next paragraph is. Again Jacob's plans. I want to move on. To verse 22. The wrestling match. That same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask me my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket. Because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. I love this passage, but I didn't always. It's not only strange. It seems to say things that don't make sense. I think it's a wonderful passage. Let's walk through it. And here's the first question. Who is he wrestling with? It said, a man. But a man is often what an angel appears as in the Bible. And sure enough, if you turn to, and I'm not asking you to here now, but if you turn to Hosea 12, Hosea 12 retells this story briefly. And what does it say? 
It says Jacob wrestled with an angel. But at the end of the passage, as I read it, did you hear who Jacob thought he had seen face to face? God. Is it an angel? Or is it a manifestation of God? What we call a theophany where God shows up, looks like a human typically. It could be both. If you know this special angel in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord. Now, there are angels. Angels, plural, started off my passage in verse one. And sometimes angels have names, you know, Gabriel. But there's one in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord that acts like God, talks like God. And it really could be a theophany. A messenger, an angel from God who is a manifestation of God. If so, then that explains why Hosea says the angel. And that's why Jacob says, I have seen God face to face. So as I talk, I will say the angel sometimes. Other times I will say God. I think either one makes sense. Let me show you what Jacob learned here. He is going to learn four things here. So let me show you number one here. His first of four lessons. That he learns from what God says, what the angel says. Four things that the fourth one isn't quite said. And I might add a fifth at the end. I like to think of these four as four distinct things that maybe Jacob learned as he got older. It might be that as he gets older, that number two or three or four lessons starts to make more sense. I don't know if that's the case, but I like to think that we start with number one. Jacob struggled and won. This is the crazy part. If I just said Jacob struggled, we'd all get that. He struggled with the angel. He struggled with God. You know, we might relate to that. We struggle. But he is called the victor by God. It's the thing that Jacob learned from hearing it. And if, if you doubt that, look at verse 28. This is what's weird. The last few words of verse 28. Your name shall no longer be called Jacob. But Israel, Israel means God striving or he strives with God. There's a couple of ways of looking at or interpreting that. But it's a big unveiling of the name Israel, which will be the name of the nation. Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven, struggled with God and with men. And here it comes and have prevailed. Let's take the easier part. You have striven with men and prevailed. Can I ask you this? What do you think about Jacob as a person? Thumbs up? Somewhere in between? He's a complicated guy. Boy, did he strive with men. 
I could be wrong, but I think we're a little bit quick to overly criticize Jacob, the scoundrel that he was, the deceiver that he was. It's true, but he had a hard hand dealt to him in a number of ways. When he really deceived Esau for the blessing. Do you remember that was mom's idea? She concocted the plan. She had every detail worked out. I'm not saying Jacob wasn't culpable. And then when Esau wants to kill him, mom says, hey, go stay with my brother Laban. The problem is mom's side of the family here, by the way. <laughs> Laban also is a trickster. And boy, will he cause Jacob problems for 20 years, changing his wages 10 times, deceiving him who his wife would be. And that sprinkles down to his children, Leah and Rachel and the scheming and the planning and the competition and all of this. And Jacob might be exhausted. He has striven with man and boy, did he win. Laban. Especially his uncle, his father-in-law, his, his opponent for 20 years. And he does work super hard. Jacob does. Jacob's a hard worker. And he out-strategizes Laban. He does. And he gets away from him safely, finally, when things are starting to get more tense. You have struggled with men and won. It's true. The tougher one is what in the world does he mean by you have striven with God? You have struggled with God and won. This is the part of the passage people skip over many times. I don't want to. What does that mean? It's got to refer to the wrestling match significantly. This match was a draw. It was an exhausting all night match, a tie. And so the angel says, daybreak is here. And that could mean a couple different reasons why he points that out. I'm, I'm not going to get into that. But it's a tie. Let me go. And Jacob says, I'm not letting go until you bless me. And at that moment, the Lord does bless him. And pronounces him the victor. You have prevailed. I've struggled with this, I think, because this doesn't sound good. I won't. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I remember. And I had to think about this as I was planning the sermon. I remember from the 90s. Hearing of a health and wealth prosperity pastor who was bragging, I guess, or telling his story about how he got all his power. And he says, I was 19 and I said to God, bless me. If you don't touch me with your power, I'm going to come up to heaven and touch you. What a bunch of youthful bluster. Is that, is that Jacob? Threatening God. No. Or maybe you might think Jacob is saying, God, you owe me. Look, 
at all the good things I've done trying to love my family, work hard. I've been to church. I've given 10%. Isn't it amazing how we take good deeds and then we use them as leverage against God? You owe me. That is not Jacob here. And there is something striking that Jacob said in that prayer in verse 10. He literally says, I am not worthy of your love. Is this Jacob for the first time broken? Look at verse 10. I am not worthy of the least of all your deeds of steadfast love. And all the faithfulness that you have shown me. This is not someone demanding a blessing or power from God. This is not even someone who thinks God owes him. He is desperate. He is broken. Where else can he go for blessing? We're going to come back to that. But I love this guy. That even when his hip is placed out of joint, he still wrestles. All right, men, we have to admire this. If I have my hip out of joint, I say, all right, game over. I'm done. (laughs) Wow. This is a special kind of faith that says I have nowhere else to go. I can't handle this situation. I've tried to... To to strategize my way out of it. But this one is too big for me. Lord, I need your blessing. I'm not letting go. Where else can I go? My own wits cannot guarantee my escape this time. And the Lord commends him for this saying, you've won. You've prevailed against men and even against God. There's a second lesson. Simple. God blessed Jacob. And I wonder if this sinks in to Jacob's mind. As the years go by or days go by or maybe immediately. That the real story, the real lesson is not that Jacob won. Although that's true. That it comes down to God's blessing. This is why he's going to survive the next day. This is why his family, his wives, his kids are going to survive. This is why his descendants are going to be like sand on the seashore. All the promises to his grandfather, Abraham, will continue through him. Because why? Because God blessed Jacob. It says that specifically in verse 29, after he holds on. God blesses Jacob. Is this a turning point for Jacob? I think it might be. A lot of people have said that. He, he prays, I'm not worthy of your love. And, and he's, he talks usually about the God of my father, the God of my grandfather. And he says at Bethel earlier, and God, God if you're going to bless me, then you'll be my God. He talks in in, in maybe a little bit lower spirituality or something. And something changes here. And by the time you get to the end of his life, verse chapter 49, you'll see him talk about my God. The God of Jacob. 
the God Almighty, my God. He blessed me. Lucky guy, that Jacob. Don't you wish you were him? Even Esau doesn't get this kind of blessing. Jacob is blessed. He's connected to Abraham, his grandfather, who God made that covenant with. Abraham, the men of faith, and it comes through Jacob, and Jacob is special. He's blessed. We might say he's lucky. And you might say, boy, I wish I were him. Well, you're not that far off. In fact, you're far more blessed than he was that he knew of. It all goes back to granddad, Abraham. When God says, I'm going to bless you, Abraham. Yes, your descendants are going to be like the sand on the seashore. Yes, I'm going to give you a land. And remember the end of that promise in Genesis 12, 3. And through you... All the nations of the earth will be blessed. That's the goal. That not just Abraham and his son and his son, like a thin line of individuals who are lucky, who are blessed. The whole plan is that it would culminate in their great descendant, the Messiah. Who would die for the sins of the world. Rise again to bless the nations. Those who have faith like Father Abraham. Jacob's blessed that you might be blessed, that I might be blessed in his descendant, Christ Jesus. We're lucky guys too, not just Jacob. There's a third lesson that Jacob had to come back to again and again. As he thought about that wrestling match, he would think of a third lesson. You know what? I was humbled. Is anyone worried about this so far up to this point that Jacob, he says, you know, you're the victor and he blesses Jacob and anyone worried Jacob's going to get cocky, that he's going to get arrogant, that he's going to get a big head. Well, God took care of that. He humbled him several ways. Here's one. As we've already read, the very context is horrifying. Esau with 400 guys are going to try to kill him. Or take him capture back to Sarah. I, I, I don't know. But that context itself was humbling Jacob. That's clear. But then there's more. Again, there's the touching of the hip. Jacob is not... Leaping from this victorious wrestling match in Olympic form. We think for the rest of his life he limps. God humbled him. Reminds you of maybe Paul in the New Testament. Paul with surpassing revelations from Christ, but yet he gave me a thorn in the flesh to keep me humble. But there's another humbling thing that you might miss. I won't let go until you bless me. And then the angel says, God says, what's your name? And names mean so much in scripture. He changes his name to Israel. There's all kinds of things we could say. But do you remember 
the last time he was blessed. It came because blind Isaac, his dad said, who are you? Same question. And he said, Esau. He stole the blessing through lying. And this time, who are you? Jacob. It's going to come through truth. Same for us. You might have schemed in this world to get a blessing, to get career advancement. Even discoloring the truth a bit. And it might have worked. It's a fallen world. It worked for Jacob on that moment. When he said his name was Esau. But the real blessings from God will come through truth. They will come from you being honest with God. My name is Jacob. It always has been. The real blessings of God come through truth, come through righteousness, come through humility. A fourth and final lesson. As time rolled by, maybe Jacob started to think more and more about a fourth thing, and that is God let me win. Now, the passage doesn't say this, but you know what the whole Bible does? How could God Almighty lose? How could God Almighty be brought to a draw? Or the creation of an angel who looks like a man, God could have given that man, that angel, Incredibly strong muscles. And pin Jacob in a millisecond. You ever think through this? It's another weird part of the passage. We know he won. That was the first point. God said, you prevailed. But now we get at a deeper level. God let him win. Does this ruin the story for you? Does it make it sound like it was a giant trick, a ruse, a hoax? I don't think so. So I'm a dad. So many things in Scripture make more sense now that I'm a dad. If you're a dad, a mom, or a teacher, you work with kids, here's my question. Do you let them win sometimes? There's different parental philosophies here. I bet if you are a parent, you might prize your own philosophy strongly. I don't think I was playing with my own kids in this one, but I was playing indoor basketball on one of those small plastic hoops with some smaller kids, and I limited my own abilities. You know how? I played on my knees, on carpet. Ooh, not going to do that at this age. And the kids were standing and they they had full flexibility and agility. And I was on my knees and was I playing hard? Yes. Did I want to win? You bet. But I did limit myself. 
And when the kids beat me, was I happy in a strange way? Yeah. God limiting himself. Giving Jacob an opportunity. Physically. To work out some things. Some frustration. You wonder how cathartic this might have been. For Jacob's resolve to grow. As the match goes on. And even the hip is displaced. And Jacob's faith is strengthened with this growing conviction. No, I'm not letting I'm not letting go. Until you bless me because I have nowhere else to go. For these things to be worked out in a wrestling match. By the way, did you know we're discovering more and more that it's good for parents and dads, especially to physically roughhouse with their kids? That's a whole nother conversation. Physical contact with all our rightful Opposition to physical abuse and things like that as we should have. But still, there's a rightfulness to physical contact. That when it's not there, it can cause problems. Is there something like that the Lord's doing here with Jacob? Letting it work out in a manly way? I don't know. I'm speculating a bit. But he limits himself. Taking the same kind of level of ability an even partner to wrestle against. Same weight class, if you will. As a good dad, training Joseph, sorry, Jacob. I want to end with maybe a fifth one. And that is, I wonder if Jacob learned, and maybe you've learned in your life, that all along, it was God I was wrestling against. Because at the more ordinary surface level, you might be wrestling against, struggling with people in your family. Jacob knew that. He He could tell you all about that. Or maybe people at work. Or maybe a physical challenge. And you say, those are the things I'm wrestling with. But you have a moment you realize in your heart of hearts, I've been really wrestling with God all along. Why did he allow this? Even the blessed one, Jacob, can say, Lord, why did you give me this family? They all scheme. They taught it to me. Why did you send me far away? Why? I have squabbling wives now. Because of Laban tricking me. Yeah, you blessed me, but why did you give me all this? You wonder if underneath the surface, he's been struggling with the Lord. 
And the way the Lord structures our lives, even the ones who are blessed, and we are blessed in Christ Jesus, but that doesn't mean that you might, that you're completely happy with your life, right? Underneath the surface, is it really, I've been struggling with God. I've been wrestling with him. Well, if so, if that's you, I'd say study this passage and look through these four lessons. It's worth struggling with God, but you're not going to tell him to bless you or you're going to go up to heaven and confront him. But you have the ability to wrestle in prayer. And I've heard a number of you use that phrase. Wrestling in prayer. And you might find that the Lord humbles you. Even at the same time blessing you. As he did Jacob. And you might find more and more that he is blessing me. He has blessed me. As Jacob learned here, he has been the one and he will be the one who's been blessing me. Same for us. All these lessons simultaneously, you might learn too. I might learn too if we find out, you know what, it's really been God I've been wrestling with. As we go to prayer, I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus, of course. Pray in the name of Jesus, that descendant of Jacob, that descendant of Abraham, who was designed to be the blessing to all the families of the earth, securing forgiveness of sins, securing not just some stuff and the promised land, a place to, res- to live. That was Jacob and his family years ago, but to secure life eternal in a renewed, perfect world. With no more problems like Jacob was experiencing. That's the blessing that has been secured for us in Jacob's descendant. So when we go to prayer, let's remember that as we pray in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, Lord, show us our hearts if we're struggling with you and your providence, the way you've ordered our lives, and maybe we're blaming you. Maybe we're not looking at ourselves. Maybe... We need to be humbled. Maybe we need to just be reminded of your love, of your blessing. All these things you did for Jacob. Lord, would you do them for us? Father, you are the God of Jacob. And you are our God. And we pray in the name of Jesus, your son. In whom we trust, in whom we are blessed. Amen.